It's the ABC's High School Teachers Really Need to Know, Season 3, Episode Number 20, Teach Them to Explore. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe, or buy the books on Amazon.com. It is good to be back with you. Hope you had a fantastic Halloween. Hope your kids didn't just absolutely uh, just go insane in the classroom over all the sugar that they probably uh, took in over the last uh, several days and probably will continue on through the holiday season. I I know I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I just am really looking forward to the holiday season. I know we're uh, sort of in the beginning of it, and I guess I'm like a kid when it comes to the holidays. I, I, I just love the idea of family and cooler weather and just just honestly that special time of uh, just just I guess getting reminded about those things uh, that are that are very very important and I hope in your classroom you're taking advantage of those wider smiles that you're seeing with your kids and uh, that energy and all those wonderful things and I hope you're taking the time to smile a little bit more and reflect a little bit more on those things that uh, you know are so important not only inside the classroom but outside the classroom and beyond so uh, I, I do want to uh, in this episode, talk about something that uh, I don't think we talk enough about, which is crazy because it has to be at the center of our process. And maybe we do talk about it, but we don't always use the word exploration. And in education, we talk about wanting kids to be naturally curious and, 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 and we want to individualize learning and empower kids. But in the same breath, we know that so many things that we do absolutely soul crush and stamp out any of those characteristics uh, in the classroom. And some of those things are uh, systemic and then others are sort of endemic to classrooms because we as teachers a lot of times default to things that are more standardized because they're easier. Uh, and, and we don't you know, focus enough on exploration uh, and 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 building curiosity and that inquiry-based approach that I always talk about. And so here in this episode, I wanted to talk about uh, making sure that we're teaching kids to actually explore. You know, we talk a lot, and, and I know I say it a lot, but you really do hear a lot about empowering kids. And, you know, and... and, and I guess I'm thinking about it. You hear me thinking about kind of the way uh, to say it best, but we hear about empowerment and ownership all the time. And, you know, of course those go hand in hand, but there is an inherent problem. And, and, and this is something I've talked a lot about is, you know, we don't necessarily build in time for kids to uh, be able to um, individualize learning to sort of, uh, personalize it, you know, to uh, really absolutely own it, apply it, make it make sense to them. We don't really build that that in. So, you know, even in classrooms that are really, really empowered, you know, teachers that really turn, uh, you know, kids into the center of the learning and, and, and really uh, make it about them, even if they do those things and take steps to do those things, a lot of times we see it fall short of ownership and personalizing it because 
Uh, there's not a lot of time built in to actually do the key thing. And time is an important aspect because we want kids to be curious. We want them to be able to make the inevitable mistakes that are inherent in learning. But at the same time and in the same breath, you know, again, we, we operate on this tight schedule and, and, and don't focus on the learning, but focus more so on the, uh, the artificial time benchmarks that we use, you know, the end of a unit, the end of a semester, the end of a week or whatever that may be. And, and so we, we really struggle to absolutely uh, give them time to own an individualized learning. And it is time. You know, we talk a lot about check marks and, and, and I've told you before that I, I honestly believe that the check mark is one of the most devastating things in our world today uh, to not only education, but also family time and, and just the, the, the important things in our world because we're so busy uh, that everybody's going through and check marking. You know, I've, I've got this done. I've checked off my algebra homework, but did you actually learn anything? You know, I've gone to church, but did you actually get anything out of church? You know, all of those kinds of things. The check mark is so devastating to um, to to those kinds of things, and certainly in the classroom. So even if you're successful empowering kids, they they won't own it if you don't give them the time to own it. And that's really what I wanted to remind you about more than anything uh, in, in this particular episode. And that's that, again, you have to teach them to actually explore. And so how do you do that? And how do you commit to doing that? Well, first of all, you have to absolutely buy in to what I've already told you before. And that's you put people before the content. You know, relationships, relationships, relationships. I know I say it all the time. You guys are going to put it on my tombstone. But you have to understand that it is relationships and then the content and and not out of order ever. It has to be about people first. And you have to make ongoing investments in those relationships to to then be able to effectively uh, get the most out of kids and and, and drive that content. So, So what does that have to do with exploration? Well, as part of putting people first then you have to believe also that you're going to have to individualize learning. And that's going to be true whether you have five people in a classroom or you have 35 people in a classroom. You absolutely have to make sure that you are investing in the people with exploration and giving them time after you empower them to absolutely take the learning personalize it and ultimately own it, apply it in the ways that make sense to them so that they better understand it and get more meaning from it. That's the whole point. So that that's kind of part number one is you have to really believe that in order for for, for kids and, and any students of any age, really, to get the most out of learning, they have to connect with it. They absolutely have to. And you really can't connect with information, content, skills, all those kinds of things if there's not time to actually explore, learn it in your own time and things of that nature. I know I mention this all the time. Some of you are going to call in a counselor for me because I know some of you probably think I have some kind of psychosis over this, but it's true. You know, I, I absolutely got an F on my report card in kindergarten for not being able to tie my shoes uh, in the uh, first or second nine weeks. I can't remember which one it was uh, in, in, in kindergarten, but I can tie my shoes 
uh, with the best of them now. And I was able to learn that before the end of the year. So I mastered the skill, yet I still suffered from the consequences of not being able to learn it in that time. Well, had I been given more time to to learn and, and, and get feedback and practice, you know, it just took me a little bit longer. And so I think the more that we as teachers build that time in to explore and make mistakes. I mean, think, and certainly, you know, and, and some of you probably laughing or maybe even minimizing the, or minimizing the, you know, the, the tying the shoes example, but take that to learning how to diagram sentences or being able to apply the scientific process or being able to solve calculus problems. You know, it's, it's all there, right? You need time to explore and then find that meaning. And so how do you actually do that? Again, we go back to that question. And, and I think it, it starts first very, because I, I know I've sort of been maybe intangible. You're like, all right, Matt, you hadn't really talked about what this looks like in the classroom. Well, let me be very clear. It starts here. You have to absolutely build in time to absolutely explore. And those lesson plans don't look beautiful uh, because, you know, particularly administrators, they want to see that, you know, you have every minute of every second uh, of every day of every lesson planned out. But you and I both know it doesn't look that way. And so you've, you've got to be intentional about planning it in your lesson, no matter how pretty it looks. And sometimes kids will get it, uh, you know, quicker. Sometimes it'll take them more time. Sometimes you'll go off on tangents, especially if you're using inquiry and, and some of those other pedagogies, instructional strategies that I always talk about. Um, but, but the bottom line is the learning is richer and the learning is more profound and the learning is more personalized. And, and I know there's people right now going, well, I'm mad. How am I supposed to do that? I have so many benchmarks and standards I'm supposed to hit. How can I possibly, uh, build in, you know, time to explore. And and my answer to that is always this. It, it really always is. Again, back to, do you put people first or content first? And you can never violate that order. You, you cannot be addicted to being standards and benchmark first. It, it, look, your kids, you can, you can present to them 250 essential questions if you want. You don't always talk about that. And, and the truth is, what I just said is an absolute contradiction. There is no such thing as 250 essential questions over the course of a year or insert some ridiculous number because kids and students are only going to take away so much. They're human, right? Their brain capacity, their skill capacity. You know, our job is sort of to lay the foundation and come back like a road and pave and pave and pave and pave and get them to reapply and reapply and, and, and over and over again and build more meaning. So we have to lose this idea that we have to teach them everything in a given unit or a given semester or in a given year. Yes, you hit your standards, but you can't be obsessed with making sure that those standards includes, include every possible algorithm, outcome. You just can't do that and, and expect mastery on all of those things. So instead of being addicted and focused strictly on standards and, and, and benchmarks where constantly, you know, and, and you know what I'm talking about, but teaching in that kind of environment, you feel like you're on a race to hurry up and get to fractions or hurry up and get to, you know, the late 1800s or whatever course you're teaching because you're hitting your standards. Well, 
imagine being a student in that environment and having to learn with your back against the wall. You're not retaining anything. So we're back to that time element where no matter how good we are at empowering students, you're you're sort of making it impossible to own it and, and individualize it because of an addiction to standards. And I'm not, again, giving you a license to say, forget the standards. The standards are, are absolutely crucial. And those essential questions uh, are, are absolutely just driving the learning. But at the end of the day, you cannot essential question or uh, benchmark or standard yourself to death. That is just a crappy way to learn. And it sure is horrible uh, when it comes to teaching as well. And, and it's not real. Again, because it doesn't relate to uh, how students as humans actually learn. So again, the more that we focus on intentionally planning. And, and so, for example, if I'm teaching a concept in science, I'm then going to have a couple of days, a day, depending on what we're doing, and we're going to, to, to apply it. And I'm going to challenge them to reflect. I'm going to challenge them to uh, identify where this is used or seen in the real world and, and, and ask them, you know, what does that mean to me? Or where, where might this go down the road? Or why is this important? Again, getting them to not only become empowered, but then own and apply. And I think that has to be done in every single lesson. And so you've got to build that time in. And then also, once you do those kinds of things, kids become more fired up about learning because it's they're more in the center. They're, you're a facilitator. All those things that we talk about and all those cliches that we talk about in education, those things naturally happen if you set your course up in a way that puts them at the center. It, it really does. You hit your benchmarks, you hit your standards, all those kinds of things. You hit your essential questions, and it's a lot easier as far as not shoving it down their throat. It's more fun, and they get more motivated. They are able to see their own success with their own reflection and their own application. All of a sudden, things become a lot easier for you. So you've got to plan, and, and that's the tangible part. I want to see on every single one of your lesson plans, however you do lesson plans, whether that be in your head or in some school-created form, document, whatever, I want to see you literally planning. And, and I don't want you just sprinkling it in your course. That's not good enough. We have to commit. We have to go for the gold, so to speak. You know, we have to model exploration. And let's go beyond just modeling it as a, you know, from the standpoint of doing the things you're supposed to do as a teacher. Let's talk about modeling it as an actual human being. You know, there's something pretty awesome about sitting there and, and researching something with kids. You know, you don't know the answer to a question or you're like, hey, I wonder where you can use this in the real world. And you sit there and Google it as a class and you explore and you go to websites and visit it and, you know, all the other soft skills that go along with that, like evaluating information uh, together as a group and what that means. And, you know, is this to be trusted? What does that uh, then mean for step B? And, and and so forth and so forth. So you want to model it. You know, I always talk about if you don't know the answer, say you don't know and and, and be vulnerable enough so that you can relate to them uh, and go through the process of learning with them. Uh, I think that that's important that you not only plan, uh, but also model it. And then also on your assessment, let's not forget assessment is that crucial link that brings it all around. Assess for it. Uh, I'll give you a great example of what I'm 
what I you know do in say biology uh, in in that classroom I'll ask a question like biology student A uh, says that biology isn't uh, worth learning because I don't want to be a doctor or I don't want to study animals or whatever. And but student B says uh, biology is totally worth learning because blah, 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 blah. Uh, maybe um, because it, you know, prepares you for your future or teaches you how to note take or whatever. I don't know, you know. But I always present them with that kind of question. And, and, and why is that important? Because then I ask them, I'll say, which of these students, if any, um, is it relates to more where you are? And that's just a random example of where I'm getting them to explore and, and critically reflect on an assessment. And you're like, well, how do you assess? What skill are you assessing for? Well, I'm assessing for a lot of things there. One, your ability to build an argument. Two, your ability to tangibly draw on examples to uh, make your point. And then two, absolutely, um, you know, be able to critique the arguments of others. There's a lot of skills there. And, and look, that again was just one random example, but you look throughout my assessments and you will see a variety of those things, giving you a more tangible one uh, in, in, in a mathematics question. I may ask them uh, to explain one, like on a percentage question, you know, a random percentage question. What is uh, what is what is a percent? Um, where might you use that in life? Why is it easier? Why is it harder uh, to uh, use percentages? What makes it easier? What makes it harder? And it, and it again gets feedback from them, uh, and and not feedback on my process as much as feedback on where they are in relation to the material. Which again, that is feedback on my process, but ultimately it's tapping into their understanding. And so I'm actually assessing uh, for that exploration. I'll also, based on what comes up, so on each of my assessments, uh, depending on the type of assessment uh, that we're talking about, whether it be writing or some kind of practicum or whatever, in that exploration that uh, we do, if if, if, if there's something that comes up, that I think is really awesome uh, or really dead on interesting or something that I think became a huge centerpiece that maybe I didn't expect, it'll end up on the exam because we would have talked about it or uh, taken it a a lot further. And and just imagine how great that is and how fun that is, uh, you know, to, to, to go off quote unquote, the lesson plan and actually explore, which is why, you know, when I talk about, my assessments, you know, each year there's a basic shell uh, for my assessments that carry on from year to year, but I'm always renovating them. Uh, And I know most teachers do that. But what that also means is that I'm adding pieces to it that are individualizing uh, not only the individuals in in, in in the classroom, but also the groups that I have. You know, whether that be, um, you know, we talked about the moon a lot longer. We talked about uh, the wrinkled face bat a little bit longer, you know, that's going to be on our assessment and it individualizes it for a group and, and maybe even between classes and periods, just depending on where we are. So again, the standards are there, but my, my drive and my focus is always individualizing learning and, and making it about the individuals in the classroom instead of obsessing about those things that really honestly, um, you know, they're, they're important, but they're secondary. And I think we have to remember that. So, yeah, so today um, in, in talking about 
exploration, you know, you've got to teach them to do that. You've got to teach them that. And, 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 and I guess, you know, I'll go back to my main point as I kind of summarize up today. I, I want you to understand that a lot of the issues that we have in education from the standpoint of, you know, those academic behaviors and that ownership that we that we really want, that stuff can't really be obtained if we're not being intentional about teaching them to explore by planning for it as an ongoing part of our process, meaning putting it in lesson plans. And we're not modeling those behaviors and we're not setting up environments where they're able to model those behaviors. You know, we're not, if we don't do those things, we're not individualizing the learning and we're not going to get out of them what we could have gotten out of them otherwise. I think it's time for us to really, really think about that. And it's not like you have to blow up your process. Again, it's just understanding that we have to come to terms that it's got to be about people over content. And once you've got the people and your ongoing investments in those relationships are are, are, are just happening constantly, you can really drive content at a high level. You can expect more for them and they're going to be able to give it to you more likely than not because they've owned the learning. So a lot of the problems that we see in education sort of take care of themselves with those academic behaviors if we commit to doing what learning should be about and always should have been about. And that's about exploration, building curiosity, and yes, about them. Well, that is it for this week. I hope you had a great week and enjoyed the episode. I look forward to seeing you back next week. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe or buy the books on Amazon.com. Have a fantastic week.